Hey, it's Scott Orner, Cruise Consulting, and thanks for joining us on Founders and Friends for another awesome podcast. Let's give a quick shout out to the Cruise Consulting accounting team. We're very fortunate. We have a ton of people at Cruise who work on the monthly books for our clients and get them all set up, due diligence ready, rocking every month, answering all the clients' questions, making all those adjustments. And there's no better moment for a founder and for us, really, when founder says, hey, I think I'm going to get a term sheet. Are my books ready for diligence? And we get to say, yes, they are. Fire away. Send them over. Give them access. That is a great feeling. It's the feeling that lets us know we've done a job very well done. And nothing is better than watching that cash hit the bank account. So if you are a venture-backed startup, you're going out to fundraise, maybe check us out. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. We love what we do. At taping here, I think we have 575 clients. Clients raise over a billion dollars this year. So we know what we're doing. And hopefully we can help you be successful in your fundraise. All right, let's get to the podcast. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise from Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Orn. Welcome to Founders and Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Kelsey Chase of Omni. Welcome, Kelsey. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me again. It's great. I play, is this number two or three? Uh, I think it might be three. I think it might be three. I yeah. think we had a panic COVID, I think like March or April of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> we did We did one. Uh, for those that don't know, I've been longtime friends with Kelsey. And also, I'm a tiny, tiny investor in Omni. So just let just letting everyone know that. But I invested because it's a really exciting company. Do you want to tell everyone what you folks are doing and, and how you had the idea and maybe give a little update on the progress these days? Yeah, sure. So uh, Kelsey, one of the co-founders, I, I always like to share sort of an opening about the company that my background is pretty unique and that I started my professional life as a lawyer. Um, began my, my career as a corporate attorney with Wilson Sonsini and then also spent some time at, at other large law firms like DLA Piker. So spent a number of you know a number of years in the corporate legal world representing companies and investors and all sorts of other stakeholders that were doing deals in private markets and that was really how i got uh, exposed and kind of cut my teeth into this world i was just living in, and breathing in private venture financings and other types of private offerings and transactions for years uh, being the, the deal attorney and so it was really through through that experience touching hundreds and hundreds of deals as an attorney, seeing all of the nooks and crannies of these transactions, understanding, you know, the different factors and considerations from different stakeholders and parties in the round or the, the, the transaction that we got really inspired to just do things differently. There's honestly a lot of frustrations too, uh, as any attorneys listening in can probably relate. So I linked up with one of my colleagues that I had met at Wilson, Tony Lewis, he's my co-founder, also a lawyer, and we jumped out and started Omni about four yeah, about four years ago. And what we've set out to build is a data analytics and infrastructure platform for private market transactions. And what makes us, I think, just really unique, and it won't surprise anyone, is that we focus all of our data and analytics on underlying legal records. So we're going into the deal documents and extracting, structuring, analyzing all of the data that was inside of those agreements, all of the different pieces of, of a transaction that come together and are negotiated you know, among all of the various parties. And we do uh, a lot with that data. And then we built a nice product that I really like to describe as a reporting interface into that structured data. So yeah. um, what that looks like today, what Omni is doing today is we're working with 
a lot, many, many venture firms across various segments and um, really of all different shapes and sizes from the Sand Hill Road names that, that everyone will, will know and recognize down to solo GPs that are starting their first firm, uh, as well as corporate venture funds and family offices and some other, you know, some other unique parts of the market that have investments into venture-backed private companies. So that's what we do, yeah. And we hit it off because I still remember like our first meeting I had been, before I joined Cruise, I was the chief compliance officer of Lighthouse, like a venture debt fund, had raised six funds and managed over a billion dollars. And, and I remember telling you like all that data that you were unlocking at, at Lighthouse, it was all in spreadsheets, like total spreadsheet. And like, there was times where we almost missed like warrant expiration expirations or exercising or our annual reporting was just a total mess and was a giant deep dive every single year in our, and our investors in the fund didn't know really real time stuff. And it was like a tool that I wish existed when I was at lighthouse. And so that's why I, I love what you guys are doing. And I think probably one of the coolest things since we've done the podcast last time is the product has made so much progress. It's, I mean, I subscribe to your, like newsletter and I can see, you know, what's going on and the new reports you're coming out with. It's gotta be a really exciting time at the company. Cause like you've now have the resources, you have the people, you have the money and you're building something like it gets better every month. It's really neat. Yeah, no, thanks God. We, um, yeah, we did just close in August, a uh, $52.5 million round, our series B that was led by JP Morgan. And we also brought in Pelion Ventures out of Utah, which is where Omni's headquartered in Salt Lake. And Pelion, I think, is you know the premier fintech investor. They're on their seventh fund, and they're just a real, real force in the in the region, and have some amazing companies in the portfolio, including ones that have made headlines this year, like Gibby and, and MX. And so, uh, really happy just to feel like we've got some great investors behind us in Utah, but also partnering up with JP Morgan has been incredible. And yeah, to your point, I think uh, now that I'm, I'm doing some angel investing myself, I I do hear pitches, and I. I'm like, that was totally me when we were starting out. Like, I can't make sense of what you're telling me, what are you doing? And then to go from sort of that disjointed idea of what the business was going to be until today, to today where there's sort of more clarity, the product has matured, it's driving specific value for individualized roles at firms and addressing hundreds of use cases. It's, uh, it's definitely been a, an, an evolution and there's been a lot of progress over the years. So it's cool to see that get to the point to that we hit today. Yeah, I love it. Well, we're going to spend a few more minutes on Omni and then we're going to play a fun game because you do sit on top of like the most amazing data set, maybe in all venture capital. So we're going to play essentially like a game of over-unders on nerdy VC things like valuations and things like that. So but but spend a few minutes because we before we get to that, and by the way, we will come back next year and revisit our predictions, or maybe we'll do it like halfway through the year or something like that and see how smart or how wrong we were, which I think will be pretty fun. It's kind of like NBA uh, season win totals over and unders. That's what we're trying to do here. But spend a, a second just talking about the new stuff you've come out with this year because we were talking before I turned the camera on or the mic on that. There was a friend of mine who, you know, runs a VC firm and I told him about Omni a couple different times over the last two or three years. And at first he didn't quite understand or was it, it wasn't compelling enough to him. And then in your latest newsletter, I saw that you signed them as a client and I was like super excited. I had, I had nothing to do with that. The latest version of, of them signing, it was just like cumulatively and the value prop of Omni got him over the hump. So what's, what's been cooking underneath the hood? I think especially with a, 
you know, our, I, like I, I tell our team and I tell lots of people I meet with, like Omni is a set of sharp tools. It's like pretty sophisticated, you know, tools that you, you want to leverage and have in your, inside your firm. But I think early days, we, we just went through this evolution of you. And I think it's probably not too typical for startups, but we had the early adopters that really believed in what we were doing. We were really kind of, if I'm being honest, like backing Tony and I and saying like, we'll, we'll sign up because we believe you guys yeah. are going to figure this out and you're the right team to do it. And then, you know, since then, as you win more and more, more and more customers have more and more users, you're just, it's, it's this like beehive of feedback that, and we're a very product led company. And so we, we get a lot of our roadmap and a lot of our ideas for product directly from our, our customers. And so I would say your friend, you know, two years later has the benefit of, of hundreds of, and hundreds of customer interviews and feedback trying to address sophisticated use cases at some of the biggest, you know, firms out there. So that's, that's the cool thing about the product now is it's really a platform that can be plugged into any firm and it's going to have the benefit of, of lots of feedback and, and a lot of thoughtful analysis around how this can be most valuable to an institution. How can they get the most out of this data set? Yeah. Well, also, how many, how many companies are you up to in the data set? It's a huge amount, right? Yeah, I think we were, we'll safely clear uh, 10,000 companies that we're looking at. And, and I think um, wow. our pace of growth is, is really fast. So it's, it's a, um, it's a really exciting set of data and it's very granular too. Like we are sourcing from the legal agreements, literally tracking hundreds and hundreds of data points out of the dense closing agreements. And so the, one of the cool things we get to do with the product now and give back to our customers is I think it's the industry's first real access to market benchmarks and analytics for venture finances. And you know how it typically looks like, and this is the series B, uh, going back to our series B, when a company's raising venture capital, me, you, the investor, our lawyers sit around the table and say, what should the option pool size be? What's right? What, what, what's market out there right now? How much should we raise? How much should we raise? Yeah. What's evaluation? Like, you know how all those conversations have, have historically gone. And that was just going back to my kind of fundamental pain points as a lawyer. Um, after doing hundreds of these deals, I just remember having this feeling like there's got to be some global view on all the work I've done, like let alone my firm or even the market, but just what it looks like my own you know, portfolio of, of information as a, as a, as counsel to all these companies, like, what do I typically do in this situation? And so I, I, I think it's fair to say for the first time ever in a venture capital financing, we actually use live um, benchmarking data to drive our own financing negotiations and discussions. Wow. So when that question comes up of what is a typical option pool size for a FinTech company raising this amount of capital that has historically raised X amount of capital, we could actually look to our database to see, and, and I don't think, um, I want to suggest that the, the market data like determine what the round is going to be, but could you? I can't think of a better piece of context to have in those negotiations to just know what the boundaries are, what's normal, breaking it down by quartiles. It was just really powerful. So we we did bring that in for some of the most important economic and legal components to the financing, and I think the net result was that it just drove a much more productive and efficient negotiation with us and all of the investors. And uh, that's what I'm most excited to turn back to our customers in the product is they get to actually access those same benchmarks. I love it. It kind of reminds me of like the Netflix algorithm, recommendation algorithm, but also how they like, they buy TV concepts or shows or what, what they green light, you know, like you guys have this like incredible data set that no one's ever had really probably had ever in the history of venture capital. I know again at Lighthouse, we didn't have that. And everyone was kind of, sometimes you would depend on like, this is where your legal background comes in. Sometimes you depend on the lawyers to kind of say ballpark what market is. But even that you're getting a snapshot of like one law firm 
that probably doesn't have very clean data either um, across, you know, I mean, there's probably 10 or 15 law firms that matter in the startup world that are big enough to affect average transaction sizes and things like that. So it's really cool, man. And I think it's, it's exciting. I was telling you before we turn the mics on that you have such a pure network effect business where like the data just keeps getting stronger. And I, I'm sure, do you see it when company, like when a fund joins Omni, they must be so excited probably because for those who don't know, funds invest with many different um, co-investors. And so there's a, the odds are that like some of the transactions that a given fund is invested in, they're already in the Omni database through one of the, the co-investor partnerships, right? Like, so some of their stuff's already there and they can probably see that, test it, validate it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, super powerful. And, you know, what we're, what I would just tease out uh, what we're learning and really excited about just in our, where we take our analytics and our platform is that's true across just private capital markets generally. Really powerful yeah. network driven you know, market. Um, and that extends, that extends much beyond venture, the venture asset class. And so I think for us, we, we definitely take advantage of that for our venture product. And you're, you're exactly right. Co-investors co-invest together a lot. And then they, you know, because there are successive rounds of financings, you're kind of on, always bringing in new parties and new capital onto the cap table. And so the network just, you know, over time kind of compounds and becomes even more powerful. And it's just not uncommon, you know, like an M&A, context when it's time to pay out all the stockholders that list can be three four five hundred long and that's sort of yeah. think about that that's the network that we're building it's amazing okay so very excited about omni it's really cool to see and, and i get a feel for your financial results but you're compounding the the business is compounding very very nicely so it's very exciting your sales team's doing a good job i don't know if, if you lead that or they have a, you have a vp of sales now uh, but let's talk some metrics here so there's two ways we can do this do you want to lead with like making me guess metrics or do you want me to like, how, what should we do? How, how should we do this? Yeah. Well, one, we, we do have a awesome VP of sales, Ben Tobin, shout out to Ben. Um, and he's doing a great job. And I, I still attend a lot of, you know, I just love, I love meeting. I love being out there in the market, talking to firms. So yeah, odds are if you're interested in Omni, we'll probably, you know, I'll be on one of those calls to, to talk with you. So um, yeah, but I, one thing, Scott, before we jump to the, the hot takes, I think what was interesting about using our data for the Series B was completely useful and powerful when you're actually trying to get the deal done. But okay, we close the deal, wires are settled, everyone's cheersing, it's, it's a great moment. You know, the next day, how are you supposed to behave? Like that's even, I think we're seeing yes. the, the data is even more powerful for at least the, the founders. And so we, we looked to our database and just said, well, rather than kind of pull the the venture 101 playbook for what we should be doing next, like let's just ask our database. How should we be thinking about this company when we just raised this amount of money at this inflection point? What do the trend line look for, for companies on that you know trajectory? And so I would say that um, dictated and informed a lot of how we're thinking about our Series B growth plan was just looking and seeing how do top performing Series B companies behave and spend capital. Yeah, so you're talking about like, how many people to hire or what departments to hire for or, or total burn rates or how much cash, how many, how many months of cash the company should have that kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we looked at a couple, a couple different dimensions. I think the most, probably the one that, that uh, I know founders would, would care about the most is like, okay, I just did my B. What is the distance to the C and what does the C look like? Yeah. <laughs> 
that was the what milestone do I need for Series C, basically? Yeah, and it turns out one of the one of the groups we'll focus on for the hot takes are is the fintech sector. And it turns out for fintech companies that have successfully raised a B, um, and we define success with our own metrics, but let's just say successful fintech companies that did their B, it turns out in 12 to 16 months, they raised if you want to command and optimize and get a really strong valuation from B to C, the companies that are getting the best valuation raise again in 12 to 16 months. So, and that's just, you know, that's just, that's evolved even over the past couple of years, it's sped up, but it's, you know, when you know that as a founder and you're saying, okay, our window of time, if we want to be on that trend line, um, at least the database is telling us 12 to 16 months, you're out in market raising again. And so that can look entirely different than if you're operating to a 30 month plan with the end of it, it shows you being profitable, which no one ever does from B2C. And so like, you know, you (laughs) challenge a lot of those venture, I think a lot of those venture assumptions and just really think holistically about the business and the, and the larger opportunity that you're really going after. Yeah. Now, is that something where like, is that going to be a subscription product that you can offer or something like some type of, like you were able to use it for yourself, but like, will this be able to inform the world or inform venture funds? Like, you know, Hey, I just invested in a series B company. That's exact, you know, FinTech, what should I be expecting from them? Because right now we all kind of depend on these heuristics and experience and things like that. But like, Will they get, get that feedback loop from, from Omni? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're focused on driving, um, and I would put that in the category of insights. That's where, that's where, one, the data becomes most interesting, most valuable, highest willingness to pay, whatever you want to call it. It's like when it drives action and can actually change behavior, that's where it gets pretty interesting. And yeah. so I would say we're, we're fo- absolutely focused on insights, delivering insights back to our core customers today, which are venture investors. But we see a much larger picture where founders and other types of stakeholders that, that have an interest in these deals um, want to tap into those same insights. So I think, you know, holistic, definitely long-term, we're thinking about um, how this data is just more more useful and valuable and um, demanding of the, the broader market, but definitely starting with our core customers. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's Scott Orn, and we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to give a shout out to the cruise tax team. Gosh, it's so nice to have an in-house taxi. I can't even tell you. Uh, we have some really amazing professionals on the team. It's over, I think it's 13 people now. And we do everything from your federal state income tax return, state franchise tax filings, R&D tax credits. Those are pretty popular these days. And guess what? They're there for you when you go through diligence. A lot of people don't know this, but you actually go through tax diligence, not just operational kind of financial diligence, but you do go through tax diligence. So it's nice to have... Vanessa Cruz on the phone with your VCs and with the accounting firm they hired to diligence all your stuff and the law firm they hired to diligence all your stuff. Vanessa knows what she's doing. She's done this a million times. And uh, and not it's not just Vanessa. We have a really great team of tax professionals that will do those calls too. It's, it's kind of sometimes the difference between getting around closed or having it take another two weeks because something was disorganized and the tax compliance wasn't done correctly. We hear those horror stories from clients that come to us. So, hey, if you want Cruz's tax team on your side, we're here for you. Check us out at cruiseconsulting.com. Thanks. Do you want to share some of those observations or should do you want to do uh, over-unders or what do you want to do? Yeah, why don't, why don't we pick a couple and then we'll maybe just, we'll do the over-under and I wish we could do it blindly so that we could see if we agreed or not, but... <laughs> okay, so well, you probably came into it with some of your expert. Maybe next time, before you do the analysis, write down your uh, your your takes. Uh, okay, so 
seed series a those are the core focuses yeah i think we'll, we'll end with seed but starting with series a um what, yep. what we saw in the data was valuations across the market were up uh, 40 yep. which is pretty powerful like and, and sorry we're looking at um 2021 data as compared to 2020. so just a year over yep. year we're, we're really talking the COVID era like what was going on um valuations are up by you know just north of 40 percent across the board from at series a Wow. What we saw is some sectors just exploded. (laughs) Some sectors, and again, this is like year over year growth. It's not a lot of time between, you know, 12 months. Well, 2020, so so COVID hit in March of 2020. So even that, like we saw anecdotally, we saw super dip for like two months. And then we saw like the top tier VC firms coming back in late April 2020 in May in leading rounds. Like it was like silence and then that happened and then 2020 picked up a lot of steam and then you're right. 2021 was just absolutely bonkers. So even 2020 might be like kind of like that baseline is still pretty aggressive. I know. Probably. I agree. Yeah. So you saw 40%. So series A, series A, you saw 40% growth 2020 in, in dollar amounts or valuation or what was, what was the metric? Well, everything's up. Um, the, the 40% was in relation to valuation. <laughs> so the sector then be, be, I chose our sector because I think that's interesting, but valuations from yeah. 2021 over 2020 from the FinTech for series a were up over a hundred percent. Wow. Crazy. Pretty incredible growth. And I think that that speaks to a lot of things, just the opportunity, the excitement for that sector. But you know, even in a 12 month period, it's things are really, up into the right <laughs> quite a bit. Oh my God. And typically that, that's the valuation. Most investors will buy like kind of a set percentage of a, of a company. So typically an investor will buy 20, 25%. So it's kind of, I, I, is this accurate? Like, is it safe to assume that the average dollar amount going into the company also doubled or went up a hundred percent? Is that like that metric kind of hold, holds hold tight there? Yeah, I mean, it definitely a safe assumption and that's what we see. But the interesting part of that is that where, while you saw valuations in FinTech go up by over a hundred percent, the amount of capital, so corresponding the amount of capital that actually came into the company went up by 70%. And Oh, interesting. So I think what that means is like at the end of the day, founders are keeping more of their company. That's what that actually means. I, I think it will continue to mean that the best companies are going to get funded at great terms. And I think that's going to withstand any market headwinds that we experience over the next year or two. It's great companies. Yeah, that's, to- that's my exact takeaway too. Like there's only so much money you can deploy in like a two year period probably. And so probably a lot of founders are saying like, look, I'm already maxing out at like 35, 40, 50 million, whatever it is. I can't really hire and deploy anymore so i'll just keep more of my company and, t- and maybe sell 17 percent of the company instead of 20 percent on average something like that that makes a lot of sense to me yeah wow that's fascinating that's really cool yeah i think it's a really i think it's a really healthy indicator actually um especially especially for for good companies i i think it i think these things will compound in, into whatever headwinds come in the next couple of years i think good companies will, will continue to be funded at, at great terms Yep. And so I think that what's really interesting is these early stage metrics, what's happening at series A, but I think the area that, I mean, we could do an over under there, like 2022, you think FinTech will do valuations and capital. You think it's going up from 105%? Mm-hmm. I say, I say up 25%, like off of 2021. And the reason why I say, uh, so I'm just picking a number, but 
there's definitely a little bit more um, ambiguity in like the global economic picture right now with like China, inflation, COVID coming back around. At the time we're, we're recording this in late December 2021. And, and also the Fed's lowering interest or uh, lowering kind of the bond buying and things like that. So they're pulling liquidity out of the system. I think part of what drove all financial assets did really well because there's just so much more liquidity. I still think things are going to go up and I still think there's like so much room to run in, especially in fin fintech, which is what you're talking about, because the interconnectivity of our economies are just getting stronger and stronger. And like you see, even like in our world, like you see the credit cards and bill pay companies and, and QuickBooks, you know, everything's just getting more and more efficient. And so I think, and people are learning that these markets are bigger than anyone ever imagined. So I think it's still going to go up. I just don't think it'll be like 100%. I think what we saw from 2021 or 2020 to 2021 was like almost a once in a once in a 10 year kind of cycle kind of thing. Uh, but I do think it'll be up. I think it'll be up like 25%, like something a little bit more, a little more manageable. What do you think? Yeah. So let's, um, so that we can actually come back in a year and, and see like the, the fintech valuations for Series A grew to close to call it $100 million is where the, the market moved. So you're saying 25%. You could see that moving up to 125. 125. 125. It's rich. It's a lot. It's a big number. Oh, I'm going over. <laughs> you're going over? Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. What do you what do you say? What I love to what I've learned as a founder and especially the the data that we're studying is this market is is much, much larger and more complicated than just me as a founder and my VC investors. The VC investors have an entire group of investors and stakeholders who probably have their own group of stakeholders and investors that they're accountable to. Totally. So yeah. what I love seeing is just the, the excitement of private capital markets. Like the headline is funds are becoming larger, uh, more funds are raising funds. It's the easiest time to raise a fund right now. And so I, I kind of look at all of those those indicators and just see the amount of capital that's coming in upstream and how much of that capital ultimately will continue to have to be deployed into the best companies. So I, I think um, I'm going over. You're, you're kind of saying like, there's so much more capital coming in at the top end of the, and even like, there's a big, pretty big trend of like access for retail investors, access for family offices that hasn't really existed. Um, so you're saying that's going to power that over, uh, over as well, basically. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're, we're seeing with I, I believe it. Yeah, with more data, and, and this will take. I mean, these markets will take our private markets will take more time to evolve. But um, I was just talking with my a good friend of mine that's a real estate investor. That's his that's his business. He doesn't know startups, but yeah. he would love to put some capital in private markets yeah. and invest earlier into into growth opportunities. And the challenge is, how do you give access to someone like that to the venture world if they don't have connections and network? And so. You could just imagine a future state where there's products, there are people, there are platforms that that individual could turn to easily and say, hey, I'm in real estate. I actually want to get behind property tech and I want to invest in a, I want to even toggle the risk factor. Like give me high risk with lots of upside and I want to put some money into work into that type of asset. And yep. you could even imagine further, like I want to, I want to split it between investments into funds that are focused in that space and direct investments into companies. And so you can imagine like that's ultimately where the, the demand I think is coming from to your point is there's this whole you know, part of the really the world that wants access to startup and venture. And there's lots of companies that are trying to create those products and platforms. I, I see. I mean, Al, Samir from Allocate is a cruise client who's doing exactly this. 
And then you, one of my friends works for one of your investors who's doing this first yeah. at first trust, you know, like those are just two, two of a hundred, you know, companies trying to do something, but I think it's going to be a, a giant tidal wave uh, myself too. You know, what's funny is I've actually seen some VCs talking like in blog posts and things like that saying like, Hey, maybe we were like systematically underpricing seed in series a, like all these years, which is pretty interesting to think about. Cause I think it's, I think it's also like even companies like Omni that show the trend lines and show what companies are capable of doing and bring those data sets to the forefront. So everyone's not operating without any, like people can see what's actually happening. It helps pay a little bit more early stage um, because you know the outcomes are getting bigger and bigger over time. So I don't know. You guys are part of that. You guys are part of like making access, access making it accessible, but also giving people data to make smart decisions. It's not just about pouring money in. It's about making smart decisions and doing it in a systematic way. And I think Omni is doing that, which is really cool. Okay. I got to be respectful of your time, by the way. So we're going over right now. So you want to hammer out a couple more over-unders and then I'll let, I'll let you go? Yeah. So what, what I think, one that we could, we could probably focus on that's pretty specific is um, I brought data for Series A. The, the place where I think we can just take a total shot in the dark is I would say seed, seed deals. So these are equity rounds of seed capital, like a Series Seed Security. Um, those valuations, they grew, but it like, wasn't that interesting 2021 over 2020. And for me, the, the amount of seed capital that I see being raised um, and deployed and the pace at which that's happening, I think we should look at like, what's, what's your growth rate for seed deals um, in 2022? How do you think valuations will look if we were to take a snapshot today and 12 months from now? Yeah, I think those are going up too. And I think those are going to go up faster than the series A's. I would say this is the ballpark, but I see, I see two kinds of seeds. I see like the $2 million, one to $2 million dollars just kind of getting going, usually first-time entrepreneur. And then I see like a seed of like 5 million, something like that, usually with like a more established entrepreneur. And the 5 million ones are like a $20 million valuation. Like they're they're high. Like that's, that's and we talked before, before we turned the mics on, that was actually like what a Series A used to be. Um, so I think those are going to go up a little bit. I'd say, I mean, the, the interesting thing is like the growth rate increase, like even if it goes from like five to six, that's still a pretty healthy... But I, I would I could see it being like a six million dollar average in invested and a twenty-four million dollar average valuation, which is which is a twenty percent increase. And the reason why I see that is I think what we just talked about where more people are getting in, more people are doing seeds, and people kind of understand now that like if a seed company like the, maybe the hardest round a seed company will ever get is a series A. And if it gets that series A, it's on its way. And there's lots of institutional investors who want to fund that. So you're the chasm of death used to be series A to series B. And I think now more so it's C to series A. Like, are you guys seeing that? I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I think you're, since I'm pegging you to picking the growth rate, I think you're, I'm going to pull you up to 50% and you can get the benefit of the under and I'll take the over. But I, I think C valuations are going to just, I think they're going to skyrocket next year. That's my hot take. And I'm a, uh, I'm definitely the bull in the room, I guess. I'm going over on, on A and over on C. <laughs> well, you see the data. You know better than I do. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. And what's your rationale? Just the same thing? Capital wanting to get in these companies? Yeah, I, I think there will be from C to A, there is the, I think the good companies that will get to the A, to your point, will have really good prospects. And I think there will be lots of, like at the end of the day, startup and venture is competing for a, a finite resource, like space on the cap table. 
Yep. And so I think I think when when we see the seed companies that can evolve and grow to a to an A company, I think I think they're going to get funded, and I think it's going to be it's going to be really competitive too. Yeah, I guess and uh, to just to explain my point a little bit more, I think we're saying the same thing. But so say the average is like twenty five million dollars. Like what I'm saying is basically it's going to go up to like twenty five million dollars. Well, if the, if the Series A is at a hundred to one hundred twenty five, that's basically a five x four or five x return. Like on paper return, not realized return. And so what I'm trying to say is like that inflection point of actually getting that series A is such a strong inflection point. If you think about it, if you're a seed investor, that means one out of every four or five can work and you're going to do really well still. And they still have tons of growth in valuation after series A at each step. And so what I'm trying to say is like people will do more seed and be more aggressive at seed because that valuation inflection point has shifted to A and it's so strong. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're saying, um, and so we can we can come back a year from now. See valuations are we're using a fake number, but let's say it's 20. You're saying you could see it going up to 24, and I'm saying 50. Yep. I think seed valuations will go up to 30. So I'm seeing a I'm seeing a 50 percent yep. growth rate in the seed valuations, and yeah, that's that's exactly that right. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just the biggest bang for your buck right now. And part of what drives that is. The later stage funds that do A's, B's, and C's, they, they're raising huge rounds and they think of themselves more as like asset managers than like the craftsman venture capitalist that I grew up working with, you know, in my career. And, and so they pay up. They'll pay up because they also have done – there's a bunch of people even say things like if we just would have done every – no one would do this. But like if we would have just done every investment that came through, we would have actually outperformed, right, because things have been so strong. We're in such a strong kind of growth growth channel right now. So, oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's, we'll um, see, man. It's 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 exciting. It's this exciting time to be starting a company because it used to be you had to like make tons of trade offs and maybe not make optimal decisions because capital is so tight. But with capital being out there, you can actually grow your company responsibly and but but dot all the i's and cross all the t's and do things the right way. It's it's, it's a cool time. Yeah, we, I know. Um, a very old school VC that's been around the game for like 30 plus years. And there was a point in time where it was a, you know, I'm coming in as an investor, we're going to shake hands and it's going to be a 50, 50 deal. Um, and we've oh, yeah. come a long way from there. <laughs> well, I also think, and, and this would be something, and again, I have to be respectful of your time, but the, what I always tell the cruise team is, cause I started working at lighthouse in 2002. So that's 20 years ago, basically there was a certain kind of person that got funded. Ivy League, you know, Stanford, Berkeley kind of person, oftentimes who had done it before, you know, venture capitalists were more risk averse. And what I see in the cruise client mix is like way more women, way more people of color, you know, people who are 23 years old getting funded. And it's such a like a it's such a more balanced, healthy group of people getting funded to start their company and chase their dreams. That doesn't surprise me that the outcomes are actually opening up and getting bigger and more great companies are getting funded. Because I feel like before, again, coming back to like Omni, you guys, people were using like the wrong heuristics before because they just didn't know it. They didn't know anything. They didn't have any data. And now with being able to see like how the last 20 years have played out or even like the last 10 years and and folks like you who are aggregating this and making it more useful and, and letting people drill down that I bet you lots of different kinds of profile founders are getting funded. Um, and that's exciting. That's really exciting to me. 
No, I, I agree. I'm glad you you mentioned that. We're um, we're partnered up with Aquan Ventures. So shout out to Alejandro uh, over there, one of the founders. But I don't know if you've you've kept up or know what they're doing around the diversity rider. But they are they are looking at bringing diversity into venture, but they're attacking it from the cap table. They're saying if yeah. you if you take a check, they want to say to a founder like we, we want to help you bring in a diverse group of investors. And anyone coming into this round, if you take checks, the, there has to be a diverse investor coming in. And so it's a pretty powerful movement that has, last I checked, I think it was over 70, 70 firms. And, and these are the who's who of venture, lots of interested parties that are supporting this. And I think what we're also without, you know, until there was data, until there was more transparency, I think what, what's, what's interesting to look at is do diverse investments, how do they perform? And I think you're seeing a lot of evidence that there's there is real capitalistic driven interest in investing in in diverse teams. So and that, totally. not just founding totally. teams. Like I, I'm seeing it on the fund side too. There are diverse funds, you know, being spun up and created oh, yeah. that, that want to go out and tackle this problem as investors. So I, I was it's a great point. I agree with it, and I'm I'm really excited to just see some of the market traction around this this topic in particular. I agree. Okay, I got to let you go because I know you have you're running late. You're being very generous to the Founds of Friends uh, audience. So thank you so much. Uh, tell everyone where they can reach you or how to reach out to Omni and get a demo or check out the product. And again, super cool. Congratulations on all the progress and thank everyone there for doing such an awesome job. Yeah, thanks, Scott. No, you can, um, I think we're pretty easy to find on the internet. And uh, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, it's a great place to find me personally. So thanks a lot, Scott. This is awesome. All right, buddy. Take care. Say hi to everyone. Okay, bye-bye. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise. Founders and friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and friends with your host, Scotty Scotty Orr.